This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. There's a lot of people today who are afraid. What they're saying is, and what they're telling us now, is that anxiety has been on the increase in our nation, that Google has said anxiety disorders, the, the, the Google trend searches for anxiety disorders has gone up double in the last five years. They're finding that young ladies between the age of 13 and 17, 36% of them are being diagnosed with anxiety disorder. That's 28% for boys. College campuses are right now saying that that anxiety disorders are the biggest mental health problems that they have on campuses. And over and over again, we're seeing that more and more, and you're starting to hear that, that Americans are anxious. We are anxious, all the stuff that's going on. Uncertainty in the economy, uncertainty in our political spectrum, just uncertainty, has caused a, a level of anxiety that we, quite frankly, we've never seen before. There's anxiety just in, in the environment. Many of you know, but maybe you don't know about the fact that on Tuesday nights here at the Ark, you can come at six o'clock and we have biblical guidance counseling for free. So you can talk with some biblical guidance counselors. It's not clinical, it's biblical. And they will be glad to sit down and help you. I think last month, they talked with about 150 people in the month of October. It's free. And we track what they're, what they're counseling about, what they're giving guidance about. Number one is marriage. Number two is anxiety. So we're seeing that this has become pretty much pervasive in our country. And if you think about it, many of us grew up in an environment where there was anxiety. We've gotten used to it. My dad was an optimist. My mother still is a little bit of a worrier. And uh, when I was growing up, I remember, boy, she could worry like with the best of them. Of course, she came from a long line of worriers. Her, her mother was a worrier. Her grandmother was a worrier. And so you can just kind of grow up thinking, well, that's, that's just normal. Or maybe some people have a level of anxiety because of childhood experiences or experiences that they've simply had in life. When Joy was so sick, it really impacted Matthew and Christina who were like nine and six at the time. And so that, that sickness, it, it scared them. There were two young boys in a small rural town down in Mississippi and uh, these little boys, their brothers, one was eight, one was 10. If there was any problem in that town, any mischief, anything missing, anything going on, they went looking for these boys. These boys were a problem. His parents were at their wits end. They didn't know what to do, but they heard that there was a pastor in town who dealt with discipline problem children. He agreed to meet with the, the boys. He wanted to meet with them individually, so he had the eight-year-old first. Eight-year-old came, sat down at his desk, looked at the pastor. pastor gives him a stern look and says, son, he says, where is God? Little boy didn't say anything. Pastor raised his voice a little bit, gave a sterner look. He said, son, where is God? Little boy said nothing. Finally, this pastor kind of puffed up and he put his finger out there. He said, son, where is God? Little boy looked at him and then bolted out of the room, ran all the way home, ran up to their closet, got in the closet. His older brother came in there. He was in there panting. The older brother said, what, what's the matter? He said, man, we're in big trouble. He said, God's missing and they think we did it. <laughs> Childhood experiences will impact you. Or, or how about all the people around our area who uh, I watched the news one night and they were talking about uh, some of their, the only time I watch the news is when weather is coming in. And I don't know what it is about meteorologists, but a lot of them think it's their job to scare the ever living daylights out of everybody. And so they were talking, but they were talking with a couple 
They had been flooded in Harvey. They were looking at more flooding. And I heard him say, every time it starts to rain, it really bothers her. And if you've experienced that, you've experienced flooding, you can understand why anxiety has gone up. So what they're saying is now is anxiety, really, it, it is a predominant force. But it's, it's been in the earth for a long time. In fact, Adam's first words to God was, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid. Now the challenge we have is that if we just simply accept that that's the way it is. Everyone's anxious. Maybe you've been anxious. and Maybe you're in here today and You've been dealing with anxiety or taking meds for anxiety. I want you to hear me on this. There is no condemnation whatsoever. I can remember being uh, back about 30 years ago when I went through a, a little bit of a season where I had some panic attacks. I know how that is, but I got good news for you. It never is God's plan and it never will be God's plan for you to be anxious and afraid. And, and the God who created us knows how we're wired. Look at this verse that Jesus says to his disciples. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So Jesus is telling us something. He's offering us his peace. You ever notice that when God shows up in the Bible, one of the first things he says is, fear not, don't fear. You don't see God showing up and going, y'all need to be really, really afraid. That's not how he talks. And when Jesus is getting ready to leave, Jesus talks about, I've given you my peace. He said, not as the world. He said, well, how does the world give peace? Well, the world gives peace by having everything be okay. If everything is okay, then I have peace. Jesus is saying, I'm gonna give you peace like the world doesn't give. In other words, everything doesn't have to be okay. Everything can be crazy out here. You can still have peace on the inside. It's a peace that's amazing. It's the peace we're talking about that transcends all understanding. It's, it's a powerful peace but you have something to do. And he said, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let your heart be afraid. This one, we realize we have something to do with this. Now, I know what immediately comes up is, Alan, I, I, I can't help myself. But yet we're going to see that Jesus gives us his peace. We're going to see other scriptures that tell us we don't have to live with this anxiety that's absolutely eating our lives up. It's not what you were meant for. A number of years ago, there was a man in Europe who was living in an impoverished area, he, uh, he, and he had relatives in America. Now, this was before planes would fly across the ocean, and he had to take a ship, and he had relatives in America. He was going, he knew there's opportunities there. He wasn't an educated man, very good craftsman, though he worked with his hands. And he bought, they, they sold things and cobbled together the money for, and buy one ticket, and then he would send for his family when he had the money. So he's on the ship, and he knew that he could get a ticket, but he knew he couldn't eat in the dining room. He didn't have the money to eat in the dining room. So his wife packed him a bunch of tins of sardines and some crackers. So when he was on the ship, he was just so glad to be on that ship because he knew he was going to a great place. He knew he was going to America. And, but he would pass the dining room. He would smell the smells coming out of the dining room. He would hear the tinkling of glass and, and people laughed and he saw the white tablecloths and he really wished he could go in there, but... He had his sardines and crackers and he would go down to his little room and he would eat his sardines and crackers consoling himself that when he got to America, it's going to be different. When he was right almost at America, in fact, they were coming into the harbor, he said the captain was walking on the deck and he actually saw the captain. The captain stopped and he said, excuse me, sir. He said, I pride myself on, on meeting every passenger in this ship. He said, I usually meet him in the dining room. He said, I've never seen you in the dining room. 
And the man ducked his head. He said, yes, sir, captain. He said, he said when I bought my, bought my ticket, he said, I, I didn't have the money to, to eat in the dining room, so I, I brought some sardines and crackers. And when, when the captain heard, heard that, he winced. And the man said, oh, no, no, no. He said, no, sir. He said, I, I didn't eat them out around anywhere else. You ever smelled sardines? They're stinky. He's, he said, I would go down to my room and I would eat my sardines and crackers in my room. And the captain said, that's not what I was remarking about. He said, he said, you didn't read the back of the ticket? When you bought your ticket, you bought access to three meals a day in the dining room. You could have gone in the dining room the whole time. Now, what are you, what, what are you telling me this for? Because there's so many Christians who, they, man, they've taken such an important step. They've made Jesus their Lord. And making Jesus your Lord gives you an assurance that when you die, you're, you're not going to hell. You're going to heaven because the Bible says to depart and be with Christ is far better. So man, when you make Jesus your Lord, you are on a destination, you're on a journey, and you are heading for heaven. But what so many Christians have not read the rest of the ticket because you don't have to eat sardines and crackers. God's got a better plan for you. And you don't have to live in fear. You can have his joy and his peace. You can have his blessings and his healing. You can have his strength and his health. You can have his wisdom. There's so many blessings associated with that. Well, you might be saying, well, I just like my sardines and crackers. Well, keep them. But there's a lot better way to live. And God's got a better way for you. So this morning, I want to talk about when you're feeling anxious, what can you do? Great story in the Bible about a man that was dealing with anxiety. He was the servant of a man named Elisha. Elisha was a prophet. He was in Israel at the time when Israel was being attacked by Syria. Nothing's changed, has it? So anyway, he's in Israel. But, but in Israel, the, the Syrian king would attack, but the Israeli king knew where he was all the time. So he avoided every surprise attack, did it over and over again. Come to find out Elisha, the prophet, God would tell him where the Syrians were coming. He would tell the Israeli king. And so worked out great. I mean, and over and over again, finally, the Syrian king is just sick and tired of it. He said, would someone please tell me who the spy is? Who's the mole? Who's telling the king of Israel our plans? And one of his aides goes, raises his hand, goes, uh, sir, uh, there's no mole here. It's, it's Elisha the prophet. He tells the king of Israel what you say in your bedroom. And the king of Syria said, well, we better get this guy. Go find out where he is. And word came back. They said, he's in Dothan, which was not Alabama. It's still in Israel. He said, he's in Dothan. And here's what happened. Then he, the king of Syria, sent horses and chariots and a strong force there to Dothan. And they went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, no, my lord. What shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who were with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Can you imagine being that servant? Getting out in the morning, you step out in the morning. Maybe you're going to get some wood or go get some water. You're ready to make breakfast and you step out and, you look, and you're surrounded and there's horses are stamping and there's chariots and there's guys with spears and they're all looking at you. Well, that's a real situation. I've heard, I've heard, the, old, I've heard the old acrostic fear, F-E-A-R. Fear is false evidence appearing real. Well, that's not what this was. This was real evidence appearing real. 
which makes the acrostic rear, but we're not going to use that. <laughs> He's looking at this. This is a real situation, and it, and it scared him. He's surrounded. So he runs back inside. He gets the prophet. He said, what are we going to do? And uh, the, the prophet said something very interesting. He said, don't worry about it. He said, there's more with us than there are with him. They never said Elisha saw some. Elisha he either believed the prophet or God had spoken to him, but he was not worried. He was not afraid at all. He said, there's more on our side than there are against us. And I, you, know the, you know the servant had to be looking at this guy like, seriously? Because I can do the math. One, two, I've seen how many people there are out there. We're, we're, we're surrounded. And then he, Elisha did something I thought was very interesting. He said, Lord, open his eyes. And when he opened his eyes, the servant was able to see beyond the physical realm. You do realize there is a spiritual realm. It is real. That we're not just limited to what we can see and feel and touch. There's a realm beyond that. Even scientists, physicists will tell you, they feel like there are different, they call it different dimensions. And they feel like there's other dimensions. There are, there is a spiritual dimension. And when he looked out, it was the spiritual horses and chariots and fires and angels all around Elisha. And that right there gave him a reason not to be afraid. So now he could look and go, whoa, we're, we, we, got, we got angelic help. We got help. He couldn't see it before. But now he could see it. Now he's got a different perspective. It was a reason not to be afraid. If you read the rest of the story, you find that God delivered Elisha and his servant. In fact, he delivered the whole nation of Israel from the Syrians. And he continues to do it today. Well, what was interesting was it took an opening of the eyes perspective for that, for that little servant to go, oh, it's going to be all right. What about us? How do we begin to move past the anxiety when, when you feel anxious? Are there some things you can do? So today I want to give you just some real practical examples, some things you can do because you don't have to live plagued by anxiety. First one is this. You need to stop feeding your fears. What do you mean feed your fears? Anything you feed gets stronger. You feed an addiction, it gets stronger. You starve it, it gets weaker. If you feed fear, it gets stronger. What do you mean by feeding fear? Well, a, a lot of times people talk a lot about their fears. I want to just show you something that Jesus said, just a phrase. He said, therefore, take no thought saying. Talking about your fears does not make them better. Now, yes, you have to understand. I'm not talking about denial here. But oftentimes, people can, can get in a situation where they're afraid and they can just start talking it and talking it and talking it and talking it. That's not going to make it any better. You're not, a, you're not getting rid of the problem. You're establishing it. You're making it more real in your life. So when you're dealing with fear, you need to stop talking. I'm so afraid of this. I'm so afraid. I'm so afraid. That's not helping you. So don't talk your fears because you're taking those thoughts, those negative thoughts, and you're holding on to them. How I many you know thoughts can go, man, thoughts, if you get thoughts, you know your thoughts can absolutely impact your life. If you're thinking, I know maybe this has never happened to you. I've had a pain one time in my leg, and immediately uh, the thought came, that's cancer. You're going to die. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Then you start, if you're not careful, if you don't stop those thoughts, you can start thinking about, Man, I get sick, and then, you, and then you think about the funeral, and you think about everybody who's coming, and you're mad at the people who didn't come to your funeral. I mean, you're, you can take it and run with it. And so what you have to do is those thoughts aren't going to help you. You have to begin to catch it. So I'm not going to talk about it, and I'm not going to constantly think about it, because when I do, that sends me down a negative trail. I call it the loop of negativity. You just go around and around. You're not solving it. You're making it worse. 
Your thoughts, you got you to start there. A number of years ago, before we started the church, I was sales rep. I was in working for an administrator now in Sparity. I'm, I'm in sales. I officed out of my home, and I had an office up in the loft. Well, we had some windows way up at the top of the loft, kind of had a, a peak like this, and there were windows at the top. I'm in there working one day. It's quiet. No, one, no one's at home, and I hear a buzzing sound. Zzz. I look up, and there's a big red wasp horn. It was big and red and, and nasty. I couldn't tell whether it was inside or outside. Have you ever done that? Like it's inside the glass, outside the glass. I don't like wasps. When I was two years old, a, a yellow jacket got underneath my shirt and stung me repeatedly. So I've got a childhood experience that says I don't like wasps, yellow jackets, bees, mosquitoes, anything that stings, I hate it. So I, I'm looking up there going, I, I couldn't tell all that wasp. And, and I realized, no, it's, it's a group of wasps and they're building a nest up there. I'm like, oh no, I have no, I got kids, I got no. And I also had a secret weapon. I had that spray that shoots from about 50 feet away that you can spray that. Whoever came up with that was a genius. I'm like, thank God, that's wonderful. So I, I was going downstairs, I was, I, I was going and I had the spray in my hand and I was going to the door, but there, there's something I, I gotta tell you. I had a pager. Now, for those of you young people, a pager, this was in the early 90s, a pager was a cutting-edge technology device where someone could get a hold of you, and they would page. Remember that? You would pull it out. Some of you have no idea. You're Googling it right now. You would pull it out, <laughs> and you would look, and it would be a phone number, and so when you saw that, that phone number, you would have to go find a payphone. Now, a payphone was a phone that you would take and you would put money in to, to yeah, anyway. So I, I got this pager, and this was a strong pager, man. This pager, you could, it could have a tone or it could have a, a silent face, which was a buzz. And when this thing would vibrate, man, your whole leg would shake. I mean, so it would go. I'm reaching, I got the wasp spray, I am reaching for the door, and the pager goes off. Bzzz. Man, I screamed like a fourth grade girl at a pony party, man. I just, I, I just, it was embarrassing. I, I screamed. I'm like, oh, I'm so glad nobody saw me because I, I'm thinking wasp. I'm thinking wasp. And I was convinced those wasps figured out what I was doing and they sent a sniper wasp to attack me <laughs> and to, and to, man. But isn't that how your thoughts can go? If you start going with thoughts, you can take them and project them and they get worse and worse and worse. You've got to catch the thought. You've got to be able to catch the thoughts, so don't start talking about them. And if you realize you're looping, go, uh-uh. Say, well, I, I can't help myself. I mean, I, I get on a problem, and I just, I, I loop and loop. Can I give you just a real simple thing you can do? And everyone can do this. It's found in, in the book of Philippians. Paul was writing, and Jesus had already said, peace I leave with you. Peter said, casting all your care upon him because he cares about you. This is what Paul said. He said, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Well, that's a wonderful promise. Paul said, don't be anxious about anything. You know what one of our challenges is? A lot of times we've just gotten so used to it that we're like, well, I, I can't help myself. Actually, yes, we can. And we cannot, we, we don't have to give in. You don't have to resist it, but we don't have to give in to it. 
And so when anxiety begins to hit, don't wait for something big. Start small. Little things that bug you. Just take them. He said, in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. So I'm going to go to the Lord. He said, Lord, help me on this. I need your help. I'm going to thank him for the answer before I see it. And then it says, and the peace that passes all understanding or transcends all understanding. What's it transcending? Well, it says, I still got the situation, but I have peace about it. And that peace is priceless. So that gives us something we can do. Now, let me give you an example. <laughs> this, uh, this past week, Joy and I had a problem that we, were, that we were talking about a lot. Now, I know some of you think, oh, Alan, you're a pastor, you have problems. I, in the first service, excuse me, second service, I said, oh, I have problems. I'm married. I didn't mean it that way. It, it, um, <laughs> so I need this to go on recording. I, I, I'm going to buy you lunch, sweetie. I'm sorry. I did not mean it that way. But I, but I didn't stop having problems just because you become a pastor. And so we had a situation. It was a church situation we've been dealing with. And Joy and I find ourselves talking about it a lot. And I realized we got to do something about this. So we're standing there in the kitchen. And I said, honey, hold, let's pray about this. Let's give this to God. And we, we held hands right there. And I said, Father, I don't know what to do about this. You know what to do. Would you show us what to do? Would you give us wisdom here? And would you help us in this situation? And Lord, I thank you for it. Now, here's the neat thing, guys. We didn't have to go back to the bedroom. We didn't have to get in the closet. We didn't have to kneel down. We're in the kitchen, right by the stove. And we just called hands and prayed and gave that to God. So, Alan, did that situation, has it gone away? No, it hasn't gone away, but the burden of it has lifted because we gave it to the Lord. And then when thoughts come back, instead of thinking about them going, oh, and you can find yourself going right back there, you can develop mental habits just like you have habits of brushing your teeth and putting on your shirt. You can have mental habits. It kind of, your mind goes there, and I catch myself and go, no, we gave that to the Lord. Does that make sense? It kind of gives you... You can do this. You can practice this. You don't have to be a pastor. You just have to be someone that says, Lord, I belong to you. I'm your child. You do not want me anxious. And if he doesn't want us anxious, thank God we don't have to be. So we can give situations to him. And here's the, here's the last thing. We can begin to look at, we have to look at something that's different. God's word actually gives us a spiritual perspective. And just like that, that servant who had his eyes open and he saw beyond the natural realm, God's word actually gives us the ability to begin to see something different. I'll show you this verse in Romans 8. It said, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Now, don't get tripped up at carnally. It's not talking sin. It's just talking limited to the, the, this realm, this feelings and, and senses and what you can feel and touch and see. When, you, when you're limited to that, man, it can be negative. It can, it can wear you down. But when you say, Lord, there's a spiritual perspective. God, what is your view of it? He can give you a word. He can whisper something to your heart. Someone can share a message. It just clicks in you. You can even hear a Christian song. And you're thinking, oh man, that's, that's an answer. And God can give you something beyond the realm that you're now seeing. He can give you some help. And it's, it brings life to you. And it brings peace to you. It's such a blessing. I'll give you an example. Some of you who were here a few years ago, three years ago, when my daughter was giving birth to um, her, her little son, this is our first grandson, and she, she had an abruption. She had a horrible birth. They rushed her in. They had a minute to get uh, little Grant out. They barely got him out. She barely made it. 
she almost died, and he almost died. It was a critical moment. Now he's in the NICU. That's that neonatal ICU. Joy flew up there the next day. I'm at home, and it's not a good situation. You ever been around ICUs? Man, those are, those are intimidating. They have wires coming over there. People are moving in and out. It's, it's a challenging place. And my little grandson is there, tiny little guy, and he's having a hard time. I get up, I get up a couple mornings later, and Joy and I had been conversing. I got up, and, and the Holy Spirit whispered a scripture to my heart. It's actually out of Romans 8, 11. And said, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will quicken or give life to your mortal bodies by his spirit that lives in you. And I knew, I knew immediately what the Lord was saying. God was quickening my grandson. And I texted Joy. I said, God is quickening Grant. Gave her the scripture reference. She shared that with Christina. Shared it with Josh, her husband. And they went to the NICU. When they got to the NICU, everything had gone wrong. They'd made a mistake. They'd done some things. And all hell had busted loose. But Josh would look over at Christina and they'd look over at Joy and Joy's telling them, God is quickening Grant. God is quickening Grant. What are they doing? They're looking at something beyond the fearful situation. They're looking at something beyond the, what they could see, what the doctors would say, what everybody else would say. They're looking beyond that to a promise that God would do something with that little baby boy. And he'll come back in January to celebrate his third birthday. He's bright, he's sharp, he's quick. He's a healthy child. Thank you. The Lord, the Lord did that, but he gave us something to hold on to to help combat the anxiety. In Germany, right after World War II, my last story, and I'll close. Germany, right after World War II, when the Allies got over there and began to do cleanup and organization, they found that the streets were full of orphans. Little German children lost their whole family in the war, all the bomb, and so these little kids were running the streets. They were just simply, they were starving. They were simply trying to get food. And so they would bring them in and they would give them a clean clothes and a clean place to sleep, almost set up camps, and they would give them food. But they were, even though they were taking care of them so well, he said these kids, there was, there was a major problem. These kids were waking up in the night screaming and crying, and they could not be consoled. They brought in psychologists who began to talk to the children, and finally one of the psychologists came up with a brilliant idea. It was a God idea. Every night before these little children would go to bed, they would take a piece of bread and they'd put it in their hands. So they're going, to, they're going to sleep and they're clutching that piece of bread. What they discovered was every day these kids were having to get up before the Americans came in. Every day these kids were having to get up and they didn't know if they were going to eat. They didn't know if they were going to have food. They didn't know who they were going to have to fight for. It. They, didn't, they were just trying to survive and try to stay alive. They did not know from day to day whether or not they're going to be able to make it. And so when they put that piece of bread in their hand, the night terrors began to stop, the screaming began to stop because these kids were holding on to something that they knew was going to help them and they knew tomorrow there would be food. And it went away. I thought, man, isn't that just like God? God can give us something. It may not be a physical piece of bread, but he can give you a promise. He can give you a scripture. He can give you a word. He can whisper something to your heart that you can hold on to. And instead of waking up with so much fear, wondering about things, you're going to begin to think differently, begin to go, God, I know you're for me. I know I'm going to make it today. And this fear and anxiety that has plagued me will not be a part of my life. It might be part of my past. It will not dominate my future because God understands and knows when we're anxious and he has answers. Would you bow your head with me?
heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Please, no one moving or looking around. If you came today and said, Alan, I, I don't even have a relationship with the Lord or I'm really not sure if I do or not, but I want to be. Or maybe you're like I was. I was actually raised in church and went way away from God and realized I needed to come back. We're going to say a prayer. If either one of those situations applies to you, this prayer is going to be for you. I'm not going to have you stand up. I'm not going to have you come to the front. But we're going to pray. And if you want to make that connection or you want to reconnect and you would like our prayers, I need you to do one thing. Would you quickly just slip your hand up across this auditorium and say, Alan, that's me. Would you pray for me? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your courage. Anybody else? Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, hands up all over. Anybody else? Great. Thank you. You put your hands down. Thank you for your courage. It takes courage to do that. Thank you for that. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. No one's looking around. We're going to pray. Now, if you didn't lift your hand, you're thinking, man, I, oh, I missed it. You didn't miss it. You can pray this prayer with it. It's a heart prayer. God sees hands, but he also sees hearts. So pray this prayer with us. We're going to pray it out loud. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a savior. And I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Now, with heads still bowed and eyes closed, let me, let me pray another prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray for those today in, in this auditorium and those who listen to us, those who are dealing with this gripping anxiety, anxiety that's plagued them for a long time. They thought there's no hope. Father, there is hope and there are answers and they won't have to live this way for the rest of their life. Thank you for the peace. Thank you for the joy. Thank you for what we have in Christ and the promises that we have. Lord, thank you that anxiety does not have to have the last word. Father, for those who feel so burdened and feel like that they'll never get off the meds, that they'll never have a situation change, Lord, thank you that there is help. There's no condemnation. There's only grace and love and help out. Thank you for a path to peace that you provide. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.